Pacers starting well. They're four of five from the floor. They're in front eight to two. And now George buries a three from the right side. Philadelphia will take the first time out of the night. The Pacers apparently mean business. All right, and welcome into an emergency edition of the Sideline Guys podcast. I'm Pat Boylan with Jeremiah Johnson. We talked on Friday night and had planned on waiting until after Wednesday's game to have our next discussion, whether it was previewing the playoffs or whether it was looking back at a season. Certainly hoping for the former of those two options. However, the way things have played out, basically everybody who has wanted to win has won since. We find ourselves here on Tuesday afternoon, about an hour away from talking here to the players and team about a pretty interesting scenario in which the Pacers are in a good position but still have work to be done. Uh, let's go back here to this recent road trip. Two games against inferior opponents, but we've seen Indiana struggle on the road this year. Scoring a lot of points. The offense really fantastic in Orlando and Philadelphia. The Pacers took advantage of teams that are not playing well defensively. Teams that have a lot of younger players and guys that are trying to prove themselves into the lineup. Teams that can be scary and teams that you know, hit a lot of three-pointers. Both Orlando and Philadelphia were prolific at times in those games outside of the three-point arc. And that kept them in the game. But credit the Pacers for, for getting the victories and keeping them from being too close in the final minutes a blowout win against Orlando and maybe a little closer than you would have liked against Philadelphia as you said you can't help you can't rely on help from anyone else at this point because it just seems like every team that needs to win gets a win and luckily they got a little bit of help last week to where the Pacers can control their own destiny so it was two wins this team had to have Currently a four-game winning streak when you combine that with the very you know, exciting wins at Bankers Life Fieldhouse last week against Toronto and Milwaukee. And for the second time in three seasons, it feels a little bit like deja vu. The Pacers are one of those teams, one of the few teams playing a very meaningful game in Game 82. We all remember what happened two seasons ago. And there are so many parallels to that run, those final two weeks, I feel like, to what we've seen with this team. That game, that team finished one game short playing a Grizzlies team that wanted to win to secure home court advantage in the Western Conference playoffs. It's interesting that the Pacers will play a team, at least this is a home game, they play Atlanta team that could also have something to play for. And so many teams in the NBA have nothing to play for in the final game of the regular season. Um, it's just odd the way the schedule has worked out, both of these scenarios, and Game 82, if you've got a ticket, I think you'll get your money's worth. There are a lot of parallels. Uh, and You mentioned the fact as well the Pacers lost a tiebreaker to Brooklyn that year. Uh, they have to finish a game ahead. It was a scenario where either a Pacers win or a Brooklyn loss got them in, and they couldn't get either of those as Brooklyn, if I remember correctly, had a pretty easy final opponent, uh, maybe Orlando. And You're Pacers correct. I'll actually, I have it right up yeah. because I was thinking about that scenario, wondering how many Pacers were on that team, and I'm thinking only Paul George, Lavoy Allen, and C.J. Miles would have been suited up, current Pacers, on that team. But I remember that a current Pacer was a part of the other half of that scenario. Thaddeus Young was with Brooklyn, so I thought later today we would ask Thaddeus what he remembers about that night because what I remember is following tracking that game, the Pacers played the Grizzlies later, yeah. a later tip, the Magic Nets game was earlier in the night and Orlando had nothing to play for but had a 10 point second half lead so I was kind of thinking oh they're going to get that win and this game won't matter and you can at least know going into the game I mean 
we, all the parallels, you had Paul George coming back, and he was tired. He'd played, I think, six games to finish the regular season, and the Pacers had won all of the games up to that point. Uh, I was like, I was thinking if you go into the playoffs, you'd like Paul George to be able to rest a little bit, and then that Young and the Nets come back and, and beat the Magic and ruin that one. Uh, we will say that loss did eventually lead to Miles Turner. Right, right. <laughs> so some, some the... silver lining in that one, but I don't yeah. think there's any silver lining this season. If the Pacers don't make the playoffs – they might improve their draft position by one or two spots. They will be almost impossible to win the lottery because they will have the best record of any team not in the playoffs. That year, there were many Western Conference teams who had better records than the Pacers, so you did not make the playoffs, but then you ended up getting the 11th pick, and we all know how that turned out. I think this is uh, all about winning this game against the Hawks and getting into the playoffs and seeing if this momentum can carry over into the postseason. Right. That year, the difference was some four or five picks between not making it and making it in. And I remember talking to you at that time and kind of thinking, why would anyone not want to make the playoffs? And of course, you don't, hindsight's always 2020 and you don't know the scenario. I, I think this year is different, though. I don't think you can necessarily use that argument without the full knowledge of what's going to happen on draft day, but I don't think you can necessarily use that same argument about if you're saying, well, the Pacers need to get into the lottery because if you're the first team that misses the playoffs, your odds of ending up with the number one pick are <laughs> half of a percent. Yeah. That year they had around a 2% chance it, it was better, still infinitesimal, but that, but this year, the difference isn't so much. It's only a pick or two. And another thing you didn't have in that year that you do have in this year is a young player that you're trying to bring along and get playoff experience. And that is Miles Turner, which ironically you got by not making it on another round. But there's certainly something to be said for making the playoffs and getting some playoff experience. And before we get into that, I, I want to go back to Philadelphia where you guys were last night. And I, I was kind of chatting with Boyle as the game was wrapped up on the radio broadcast and saying, well, I guess these guys, you know, once they get into the locker room, this game will be into the fourth quarter. My guess is they'll have it on the TV and they will know within 20 or 30 minutes of after the game whether they're into the playoffs. It ended up being longer than that because the game went into overtime, but but you were there and, and watching that scene unfold. So the Pacers-Sixers game tipped off at 7 o'clock, and I believe that Miami – Cleveland game was 7.30, so you could stagger it by about 30 minutes. And the time I had gone to interview Thaddeus Young for the walk-off interview, it looked like Cleveland was in pretty good shape, pretty good shape in that they had a 7.4th quarter lead. So we discussed that briefly in the post-game interview. Then we move ahead to the post-game show. The initial segment of post-game show, pretty quick. You're just getting through some things to move on to the second segment. And when Kristen Airy joins me, we look up at the scoreboard in the arena, and it had not been updated. Then I checked my phone during the commercial break, and I said, what? Miami's up six. And the, the look on Kristen Airy's face, he turned red. He's like, how is that happening? How is that possible? Again Yes. Cleveland. So at that point, you just assume Miami's going to win the game. The postgame show ends. I get my phone back out and I check and all of a sudden it's tied again. So, so I said, I'm going to go to the locker room and just see what's going on in there. And the big TV inside the locker room, inside the Wells Fargo Center, was on Sixers postgame show coverage. But in another room, I think uh, some of the training staff had an iPad or phone around with League Pass up and guys were huddled around it. Nate Taylor was talking to C.J. Miles, and Kevin Serafin was right there, and Lance Stevenson. So I got my phone out. They were not actually watching at the time, but I let them watch my phone to see the conclusion of regulation at which neither team 
with a score tied, was able to get his shot. C.J. Miles kind of is like, what, is, what was Darren Williams doing right there? You know, it's like you wanted to see the Cavs at one point, maybe the only point in my lifetime, you wanted to see that team actually get a win. So it did not happen, went to overtime, and then, you know, you couldn't wait around in the locker room to see what would happen in overtime. Went out to the buses to get ready to go to the airport, and assistant coach Bill Baino had a phone from one of the security guys, so he was holding it up. And then we got Pat Boylan to help us because <laughs> the unfortunate part of league pass is it's about eight seconds behind, and you've got other people yeah. following the live stats. And so Pat Boylan figured out a better way. That- <laughs> I, I was just in my I was in my apartment. I was watching the game. I had it on league pass as well, and it was it was more than it was it was long at least for this game. There was a significant delay. And so then I, I realized in my head, wait, this is probably going to be playing on NBA TV. I should just put it on the television. And uh, and then and then the four-point play happened. So I didn't know where you guys were. But earlier it seemed like you were watching the game. So I, I texted, whoa, or something like that. And then immediately I get a FaceTime from uh, producer Max Leinwand. And I assume he knew what... I knew what he wanted because we joked about me <laughs> filming the TV earlier. And, right. And so he calls, and all right, I put it up, and all of a sudden. So you broke know, NBA broadcast uh, sorry, rules. Sorry, maybe we should delete this. Uh, <laughs> delete this. But the funny I thing. Think, I think it's legal when it's going to the coaches and the team. But I, I turn on the phone, and there's Max, but there's assistant coach Bill Baino <laughs> right next to him. I'm like, wow. I could help the coaches and the team know that they make the playoffs and they can know firsthand and it could be me on my phone filming my television. And then I was all prepared to capture the moment for everyone else to see if the Uh. news was what they wanted where I was going to hold up my phone and record the reaction to them watching your phone. There Man, would have, there would have cool. been no champagne, but there would have been a nice little, yeah. hey, you know, you're in the playoffs. I think any time any team officially clinches that playoff spot, there has to be some, sure. you know, excitement, some some moment of, like, pats on the back and celebration. With all this team's been through, if and when this can happen, I think they deserve to enjoy the moment for a little bit. So I was ready to document it. Then there was nothing to document because, once again, Cleveland does what Cleveland does, and they they just let you down. Oh, that w- that would have been a cool moment. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. That's that's too bad. It was crazy though because you can see Bill Bano in the in the screen, and, and Miami is down one and has the ball with like a minute to go, and Johnson gets to the basket early, and 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 I think just from that brief moment that Bill might have an opportunity once his coaching career is done to maybe look into broad. He's doing the color commentary as it's as it's going. He's calling out the screens, and I'm thinking, man, how do you see that on my phone, which is kind of a shaky shot of my TV, which is then being sent over to to uh, to Philadelphia. But it was an interesting uh, way to watch the final game. It would have been really memorable uh, had that been how the Pacers if won. If Cleveland would have or just how come the Pacers through. clinched, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't, and that's why we're doing this podcast here today, because the Pacers still need to take care uh, of business on Wednesday. And, and there's so many different scenarios that still it, – it's wild, because the West, I think, outside of is – LAC or Utah going to have home court. Seeds are all round. set besides the four and five. The matchups are set as and that's well. That's been the case for a while. In the East has all of these scenarios. Uh, nine really through six is still in play for Indiana with one game to go, at least as we head into Tuesday. Night. The only thing that is certain, it looks like the three is Toronto, the four is Washington, Cleveland, Boston. They could flip spots between one and two. Right now, Boston is the one. And the thing that is interesting is. At the end of the night, I think a couple days ago, I was thinking, you know, the best chance or the most realistic possibility is a Pacers-Celtics series in the first round. And now it looks like very much a long shot if the Pacers get in that they would play Boston because you have to think they're going to take care of business. They want to get that one seed. They'll beat Milwaukee tomorrow night. They'll lock that up. And 
for the Pacers to get the eighth seed, they will have to lose the game against Atlanta and then hope either Chicago or Miami loses as well. So um, those, or maybe even both, um, there are so many scenarios. But the most likely playoff opponent would be Cleveland, and I have my reservations about that. But as, as we discussed on our podcast last week, there is a chance at Toronto, and I wasn't exactly excited about that matchup either. So you can't be picking your opponent at this point. The Pacers have stubbed their toe so many times this season to where they are in this position they would like to not be in. But the good news is if they win that game at home on fan appreciation night to cap off a five-game winning streak, they will be in the postseason for the sixth time in seven seasons, all but one of Paul George's seasons, and the only season they didn't, of course, he did not play right. for you know 90% of the games. We were talking about this a moment ago, but it's wild because I, at least me personally, assumed that Miami has this brutal final stretch of four games where they play Washington twice in Toronto and, and Cleveland, and I assumed at best they would go 2-2 two and two in that stretch, and obviously some resting has helped aid in that, and Miami's playing really, really well with a lot of determination. They, as you said, they were down 11 going into the quarter last night and came back and won in overtime. But you look back at that Cleveland game. It's funny to do this now, a week and a half or whatever past that, to know now the odds are pretty good that the Pacers from that Cleveland game on would have to win their final five games to make the playoffs, which is similar, like you were saying, to uh, to the 14-15 season. But, man, had you know, I think we were all resting on the fact that, okay, look at Miami's schedule. You just have to end up one game better than Miami. Well, it's very likely Miami's going to go 4-1 and one during that really tough stretch, and 5-0 and oh is what's going to be necessary. And, uh, and well, they're four out of five there. They're all, they've almost got it done. But what a stretch the Pacers are going to have to finish with just to make it. I think before the game against Cleveland in his pregame media availability, Nate McMillan said the Pacers need to win out. <laughs> and as you're saying that, in Quicken Loans Arena against a Cavs team that is not resting, you have to think, <laughs> if that's actually true, <laughs> I don't like the chances. After that game, and I've found out uh, Aaron Brooks was very vocal before that game saying that the playoff start now had a little bit of a team meeting or a, a huddle with the team in the locker room before the game and telling everyone, this is our playoffs, we've got to win out. I still think after that game was over, there was a confidence and a belief that, okay, play this way with this sort of intensity and energy over the final five games. They did not think that there was anyone. They don't think there's anyone that can beat them at home, and they have three of those five at home. And there's no way those players don't think they can't go win at Orlando and Philadelphia. So why, while we would say it's difficult to say you can win five in a row, I think they believed it, especially after the loss to Cleveland. So it's difficult to put everything in perspective and think too much big picture, knowing they've not won five in a row yet, and they have this game against Atlanta with so many potential possibilities with what the Hawks incentive is. Uh, But at least they fired up, I think, Central Indiana Pacer fans. Everyone is really into this team right now. I know Fox Sports Indiana ratings are up over the last couple weeks. I mean, there's a lot of excitement for this team, and I think everyone just wants to see them get into the playoffs and and see what could happen. And somehow we we made it like 15 minutes into this podcast without – saying the word Lance, but you talk (laughs) about the energy back into this team. They've won four in a row. They are playing well. Lance Stevenson has sparked that. You know, if if they were to win five games headed into the playoffs, we discussed this on Friday – 
you know, I, I think individually all of these teams that could make it are potentially dangerous. Do you want to face Giannis? Do you want to face, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler? Do you want to face the, the Miami Heat, who since the midway point of the season are playing more like a home court playoff team? And do you want to face a team that has Paul George scoring over 28 points per game since the start of March, just off Eastern Conference Player of the Week? And then has also had Lance Stevenson come in and provide a spark that they've needed. And you're riding five straight wins coming into that. By no means am I saying the Pacers are favored or any kind of series that they'd be in. But I'm looking at this from a Boston perspective. Maybe Cleveland has, you know, their sights so high that they're looking over that kind of scenario. But a Toronto, a Boston, potential first-round matchups are still there. And if I'm those teams, I'm thinking, man... The way Paul George is playing, the way the Pacers are playing, what Lance Stevenson has brought, the potential with Lance for it to turn into a mind game. I don't know if I'd want to play the Pacers, and maybe I'm biased uh, by being employed by this team, but that would seem like a scenario that I wouldn't want to be a part of if I was on the other end of it. I'm not sure if you're a top-four team and you could pick your opponent of the five you've referenced. If there's one maybe you would choose to not play, I think it might be Chicago because they feel like they've been more dysfunctional over large portions of the season. Dwayne Wade's not 100%. Rondo is a guy who's really spurred them on in the last few weeks, and he's injured as well. And and that's my only thought heading into the final night of the regular season is at times I wonder how much the people that wear Bulls uniforms, the coaching staff, uh, how much did they really want to be in the playoffs this season? Because at times it did not look like that. It almost feels like it would be a shame for Miami to not get in with as well as they have played, you know, after basically mid-December, from mid-December on. Um, they've been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and what you said they've done over the last five games. But I won't shed one tear for them <laughs> if they don't get in, uh, regardless. And Atlanta's a team that I discounted about a month ago is acting like they really did not care, but you have to give them credit. What they did this weekend was phenomenal in that I think they pretty much were sacrificing the game at Cleveland on Friday because they knew they had to play Cleveland again on Sunday, and they said, we've got to win one of these games. We're not going to win at Cleveland, so we'll sit anybody who has a minor issue or injury. I think no starters. Right. If they – the problem was they didn't sit Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> because he was phenomenal. And then, you know, guys like Dunleavy and Mascala. I mean, it was just it was amazing to see them win that game and then to go win on Sunday when down 26. So I think the best scenario from my perspective in terms of entertainment value is for Atlanta to lose the next two games. The Pacers beat the Hawks. Milwaukee win on Wednesday. And the Pacers get Toronto, and then we get Atlanta-Cleveland. Yeah. And then maybe let Chicago lose and Miami get the eight so Miami can play play as well. I like that scenario. Here are the scenarios, by the way, as of Tuesday afternoon. The Pacers are the six if they beat Atlanta. Atlanta needs to lose Tuesday night to Charlotte, and Milwaukee needs to beat Boston. So there's still a lot that has to go into that to happen. The seventh seed is the most likely. The Pacers, with a win on Wednesday, will lock up the seventh seed at minimum. And the Pacers can do that by beating Atlanta, Atlanta beating Charlotte tonight, and Milwaukee losing to Boston in the finale. So if Atlanta wins tonight, the highest the Pacers uh, could potentially get is seventh. Uh, the Pacers could also lose to Atlanta and have Chicago and Miami lose. That is not a very likely possibility. The Pacers would be the eighth if they lose and one of Miami or Chicago loses in the finale, and if the Pacers fall to Atlanta on Wednesday and Chicago and Brooklyn both win, 
the Pacers would be on the outside looking in. So this game certainly means everything. And, you know, it's, it's possible if you're talking about best chances to make the playoffs, you probably want Atlanta to win tonight. And then they'll be on a back-to-back. They'll have their spot locked up. And they'll have less to play for. But you were just talking about it three minutes ago. They rested all their starters already recently and, and won in Cleveland. So that is far from a gimme as well. You just kind of hope in these scenarios where you've got one team who is fighting for their lives and the other team isn't, that that is a difference maker. And we've seen that be the case a lot, like with Miami down the stretch, playing better teams but with more to play for. That's been a difference. And you would hope the Pacers, who are playing extremely well over their last four, would have that same mindset and that same advantage going into that game on Wednesday. And I think that's the challenge to the fans at Bankers Life Fieldhouse because if they can create an atmosphere and an energy that might be you know, down just a little bit because you see guys that you're used to playing against on the other bench in street clothes, if the fans can get this place juiced, if you can feel like it's a big-time atmosphere, you'll forget. And, you know, these guys know what is at stake. So there may be lulls in the game – and they may not lead at the end of the first quarter if that's a situation where Atlanta would be resting. But they would, I think, know when to pick it up, and you would hope they wouldn't wait too long. Interesting, some things just coming across Twitter as we were discussing what teams might do. I figured Toronto would not try to beat Cleveland, which would make an interesting neither-team-tried-to-win scenario in that game. But it looks like Dwayne Casey wants to get more reps for his guys, so he's playing everyone against the Cavs. Reportedly, LeBron James will not play. I can't imagine Kyrie Irving, if his knee is not 100%, would play. So this would make you think that Toronto should be able to win that game against Cleveland, meaning for sure Cleveland is the second seed. And, and Boston, I think they're going to beat Milwaukee. So I, I think that one and two are pretty well set, in my opinion. Three and four are definitely set. And tonight can really crystallize things on the bottom half with Atlanta because if Atlanta can win tonight they're the five no matter what at which point Milwaukee can't drop to seven so they're the six no matter what and then it's just that log jam with the final three for two spots ultimately as we wrap this up here you're in a situation where you would have liked to have this wrapped up before the final game of the year but when you're in this scenario you want what the Pacers have which is they win and that's enough. You'd rather be the Pacers than Miami right now. Or Chicago, even, uh, who's, who's, who's one spot behind. Chicago is in with a win as well. Uh, but, but the Pacers at least have a better record than those two teams. And, and, and so, you know, while, while this season at, at times I know has been trying and at times has been a bit of a roller coaster ride, the Pacers, while it's going to take the final game, have put themselves in a scenario where if they win, they're guaranteed the seventh seed at worst. And we'll see what happens from there. A win would certainly mean finishing the season on a flourish, five straight wins, and and maybe the Lance Stevenson effect, ding, ding, if you're the Grady Show, uh, <laughs> makes a difference into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, if the Pacers get into the playoffs, you have to give that move that, you know, you have to give the front office credit as well for making the move, the coaching staff for implementing it the other players for welcoming Lance as well as they have because it's been fascinating, not just on the floor in practice, but when I see them around each other in the hotel or on the airplane or just walking to and from places, it is amazing how they've accepted Lance. And this is not a locker room that where everyone knew Lance. It basically was Paul George and you could say Lavoy Allen. I don't I doubt in that one half of a season that Lavoy and Lance were <laughs> 
hitting uh, dinner up too many times together. So I, I, I'm basically going to say that Paul George and Lance Stevenson, that was the connection. And because Paul was on board with it, everybody else bought in. And obviously Lance is the kind of personality that's easy to gravitate to. And because of the way he plays, he's not – while he has the ball in his hands a lot, he's not selfish with it. He wants his teammates to get involved. So it's been fascinating to watch. It was a nice jolt to a season that needed a little bit of a kickstart. And from a Pacers perspective, you just hope there's one more win in them to, to get to where every team starts the season. They want to be in the playoffs. The Pacers are one win away. All right, so that game, by the way, on Wednesday, tips at 8 o'clock, so note the hour later tip. First and foremost, we would love to have you in the building for it. Pacers.com slash tickets, as Jeremiah alluded to, we will need a, a good home crowd presence. The last two home games have been fantastic. Something like that would be a significant edge that the Pacers can use any advantage that they can right now. If you can't make it, the pregame shows on Fox Sports Indiana and across the Bankers Life Radio Network will begin at 7.30, and I assume a lot of this similar discussion I know will be going on on our end on the radio pregame show and I assume on the TV end as well. Yeah, a lot of playoff scenarios and discussions and uh, just analysis. One thing that we're looking forward to, and I've actually spent some time this morning already working on, um, which I think will be airing at halftime on Fox Sports Indiana, back for the second installment of the Best of Dan Burke TV. So I've downloaded all of the Dan Burke oh. halftime interviews from the season. I know it was well-received last season when I put that together. I will say Dan has been, I'll give him B-plus with his uh, interview quotability this season. And he was A-minus last year, A? Uh, a for a. sure, yeah. He had he had a number of zingers. And now in a three-minute <laughs> feature I can make him look pretty good, but there wasn't quite as much material to work with, but I still think it'll be good TV, and we're going we're gonna to have that on at halftime. So be sure to uh, choose Fox Sports Indiana. I know you might have an option tomorrow night. Forget about the other option. Watch right, Fox Sports right. Indiana uh, for your, your Pacers local, uh, coverage. <laughs> your, lo exactly. your local TV stations. Real quickly, not to go down a, a rabbit hole here, but one day I never, almost never get to listen to these interviews because we've got our own thing going on the radio side. The Dan Burke quote that sticks out to me this year, I'm curious if you feel the same way, was it in Sacramento or against Sacramento when he called it the fan jam? Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then they came back and won, right? <laughs> I think it was in Sacramento he called it the fan jam defense. They were playing fan jam defense. <laughs> Looks like it's fan jam. <laughs> and then they came back and won that game. Yep, I've downloaded all of them. Now, we will say there's one, and I wasn't sure which one it was, but I'm glad you said that because I thought it was Sacramento. There was one game where uh, – uh, a word that Paul George used a time or two last night after the game got out from Dan Burke, but luckily the interview is about 30 seconds before live, so I was able to give the signal so no one actually saw that one. Uh, so And that won't be on the best of either because I think it has been deleted uh, from all the archives. But yes, the fan jam... That, that needs to make it on there. Magic of television. All right, that wraps up here a short Sideline Guys podcast. We will be talking to you sometime after this game on Wednesday, hopefully previewing the Pacers' first-round playoff series versus whomever. 8 o'clock tip, Wednesday night, Pacers and Hawks, Pacers.com slash tickets is how you can be there if you can't. Pre-game show, Fox Sports Indiana and Bankers Life Radio Network beginning at 7.30. For Jeremiah Johnson, I'm Pat Boyle, and this is the Sideline Guys podcast.